Welcome to the Sparrow Hangout, where we talk all things spearfishing, freediving, and foraging. We're three guys from Devon in the UK who are excited to share some of the learnings from our spearfishing journey with you over the coming episodes. We bring in some special guests along the way to help spread some in-depth spearing knowledge from some of the most experienced people in the scene. Happy birthday, Anthony. Thank you very much. Happy birthday, Um, buddy. 22. It's not bad. I can't believe you're younger than me. I know, I look old for my age, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll blame it on the five kids and... uh, They'll do it, mate. Yeah, everything else. (laughs) How are we all doing? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, looking forward to getting Lawrence in today. Yeah, it's... uh, it's it's going to be weird interviewing someone that we like really know. Yeah. <laughs> so, Lawrence, what do you do? <laughs> but no, it'll be it'll be really good. He's a uh, phenomenal diver. Um, considering yeah, right. I, I don't actually know how long he's been doing it, but um, the guy's a fucking fish uh, and swims. Swims just as fast as bloody bluefin too. Yeah, so, uh, he, does, he does swim bloody fast. He does laps around me. I know that much. <laughs> Some of the times I've been out with him, you sort of you go out and you're like, oh, so long, looking at the bottom. You look up, Lawrence is fucking gone. It's like, oh, <laughs> so cool. true. We're uh, we're getting to the spot quickly, then, are we? And then he gets, and then by the time I get to the spot, he's turned around and he's got a load of fucking crabs, fish, and everything. He's like, yeah, I'm getting out now. Like, Don't oh. forget the flatfish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Flatfish extraordinaire, old Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, cool. So um, what's been happening this week? You've been up to much, apart from crashing vans? Yeah, well, I wasn't <laughs> driving, mate. I was just passenger, but yeah, not much, man. Just that. What you happened? Oh, just um, slippery road and just land up in the verge. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, not much it, else. Every, I take it everyone else. There. Yeah, everyone's all right. Is the yeah. is the van vehicle Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not too bad considering, to be fair. So, but I really give a shit about things like more everyone's safe and that's it. Yeah. Nice. How about you, Ben? Yeah, not a lot going on really. We obviously went out for a dive, didn't we, on Friday? Um, we did. On the boat. Yep. Out in, oh, I can't say where, but we've got a few scallops. <laughs> hey. Well, it was in the sea. In the sea. <laughs> yeah. And our friend Lawrence came a, 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 along as well, along with Davo. Yep. Did you guys get yeah. anything else or just scallops? Uh, well, I tell you what, I had a huge oyster and it was, I don't think I got tiny hands, but it was bigger than my hands. It was, <laughs> it was pretty decent size. Nice. Um, anyway, I opened it up. I, I was expecting something really big inside. It was tiny. Like it was almost smaller than a you know scallop meat. Uh, I was really surprised. It was, it was quite tasty. Probably wouldn't bother again. I mean, it must have weighed about a kilo, this thing. It, it was well. just, but it was like all all shell but it was nice to try something different um but yeah, other than that i think um david had a dogfish and was that it i think yeah yeah i was just about to say about what you were saying about that um that oyster it's kind of your explanation of it is the explanation that most women give um of me <laughs> <laughs> he's huge and then i unpacked him and it was tiny Dear, <laughs> never mind uh, well so what what we got on we got Lawrence and then well, well yeah this is episode 20, uh, 19 isn't it so we got episode 19. 20 next week wow yeah, it's gone fast there um yeah so we got episode 20 next week so next week we got a real special guest on but we'll talk about it at the end shall we sounds good mm. cool well, I don't I don't even know if at the end we're allowed to say the name 
Yeah, we'll, if, they, if, they, if they hang around to the end, we'll give them a little spoiler. <laughs> so, <yeah>. Cool. <laughs> well, let's poke Lawrence, get him into the chat, and uh, yeah, I'll speak to you in a minute. Hey, Lawrence, how you doing? Hey, good, thanks. Thanks. Hey, Lawrence. Yo, how's it going? I feel a bit embarrassed. I'm not up to the usual caliber of your guests, but I'll do, <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Wait, wait till you get, we get started. We've got so many things to talk about um, today. I spent a uh, a car journey with you on the way up to Sky, and I was writing notes at the time. And uh, yeah, they're going to be surf- surface tonight, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, th- say. thanks for joining us, and uh, <laughs> we've got lots of cool stuff to talk about. Sorry, Anthony, go on. I was looking at the show notes earlier on. I was like fuck this is going to be a two-hour episode <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, i bought my drink just in case yeah, yeah definitely how are you anyway lawrence how, how are you keeping how's the week yeah good so i've been uh frustrated by the weather forecast as normal but yeah right uh yeah mushroom season is still just about there so there's an, another option for foraging but i'd rather be in the water to be honest mm. yeah definitely definitely so Lawrence, just purely because it was, I said um, in our intro earlier on that well, I think you're a really, really good Spiro and you hide the fact that you're a really good Spiro really well. But how long have you actually been spearfishing? Yeah, so I had to think about this and uh, it was 2012. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's quite a lot of years. Yeah, I, didn't, to- I didn't know that. Yeah. No wonder Nor you're so I. good. <laughs> yeah. you just started. <laughs> well, yeah, but I would say it's only really since lockdown that I've actually really improved right. uh, significantly. And there's quite a few reasons for that, but I'd say the main one was YouTube. Mm. Um, we were all stuck at home, bored out of our heads, and... Uh, you know, in the past, I'd looked for videos and found, you know, an unedited 30-minute video of nothingness. And then suddenly, you've got people like Daniel Mann putting amazing videos up of, you know, quality better than what you see on TV, most yeah. things. And uh, not only that, he's doing it in the UK. And uh, it just inspired me to get out there to a local spot and... It certainly helped that the weather during lockdown was perfect. So at the time, by the time we were allowed out, the, uh, the water was just crystal clear. And uh, within a very short time, I floated over my first big local place, um, which was a huge surprise to me um, and my wife, who was on the beach, because uh, she always jokes about how she's got sausages at home in case I haven't caught anything (laughs) you know for it it suddenly just changed to being a productive hobby which was fantastic because normally it's um you know i'll get out the water and say oh yeah it's really really nice (laughs) to to see everything i just i just like being in the water but really you're just dying because you wanted to catch something to eat yeah Um, right (laughs) and you know I, i did a bit in australia and um I was very much at a beginner level but um I don't think you can really underestimate how much you can learn from other people with this sport in particular so true um 
but yeah no it all started back in australia on the east coast in 2012 and you moved there right you you were there for a little while weren't you yeah so um we had an opportunity to live out there for a year and uh on the flight out there we joked oh we could we could catch our own fish and cook it on the barbecue. <laughs> you know, i didn't know one end of a fishing rod from the other and uh we gave it a go out there and one of the first fish we caught was a fish called a tailor which is um really good fun fish for spinning off rocks and then uh we were getting into Benito and we were hooked. But then a, a dentist friend called Andres, who uh, he used to do a bit of spearfishing, said, oh, do you want to try this? So uh, my first experience with a spear was with uh, one of those uh, pole spears with the three barbed prongs on the end. Uh, yeah. um, so obviously uh, didn't catch anything with that. <laughs> um, but you know snorkeling and then I quickly went out and bought my first gun which was weighed a ton it was clunky it was underpowered the shaft on it was about three inches thick it was hopeless (laughs) but um yeah I started getting more and more into it um but technique wise awful (laughs) absolutely awful um but yeah, it, it completely different to what I do now, but it's still brilliant fun. Yeah, I was just going to ask you uh, why you got started into it, but yeah. So when you came back to the UK, then did you just think, oh, um, yeah, I'll give it a go over there, so I'm gonna try it over here, or did you know there was a thing over here? Yeah. So um, my wife's cousin, um, he had been doing it for a few years in Cornwall. We always go down there for our summer holiday. And, uh, yeah, so I gave it a go back home. I had my Australian gun, which was enormous and (laughs) completely (laughs) overkill for, you know, the things I was looking for. Um, But really, it was only when I was in Cornwall that it would occur to me to actually give it a go. I just thought, you know, Devon, where I'm from, it, it wouldn't hold fish or it wouldn't be good enough visibility. I don't know. I didn't think about it a lot. But it put a lot of pressure on my holidays because I'd be looking at the forecast weeks ahead. And if it was bad biz, then that's, your, you know, you've got one or two chances a year then. And yeah. if it was washed out, it was washed out. So, yeah, 10 years. I've probably done more spearfishing <laughs> in the last two years than the previous eight by a long yeah, way. Yeah, definitely. Amazing. <laughs> you always go camping, don't you? You, you literally like camp more than anyone I know. Um so when you were over in Australia, were you camping over there? And what was it like? Was it quite extreme camping or were you just camping in the middle of nowhere? What, what was going on? No, the beauty of Australia is it's pretty easy to camp um, in lots of places. They're set up for it. They've got these amazing designated campsites in the middle of nowhere where they have an area where you can um, make your fire and cook mm. your food. Nice. Um but we did do one or two um, wild camping experiences, but they didn't always go quite to plan. <laughs> um, I remember you telling me about this in the, the car journey on the way up. You're somebody who quite likes extreme camping as well. It was, um, was it last year that you were camping out around uh, somewhere in Torbay, just in a sleeping bag in the middle of winter, in what was basically a pretty extreme storm, from what I remember it? So is, yeah, that's right, isn't it? it yeah. Yeah, it was 40 mile an hour winds. 
Well, yeah, that's, so, a, that's a storm as far as I'm concerned for camping. Yeah. And it was February. We we took bivvies. There were three of us. So I quite enjoy uh, twisting people's arms to go camping. So I'm sure you'll be next. <laughs> oh, um, you're, not getting, you're not getting better there, mate. That's for sure. <laughs> I, hey, yeah, I did it with you. I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've noticed Ben likes to dodge the... Uh, camping situations <laughs> but no i mean you can camp all year round it's more to do with your kit i mean yeah. we, we took bivy bags but i i'll admit i did end up in a tent because it started lashing it down at about two in the morning <laughs> but um yeah we went out we went diving in the evening with the torches and it was just yeah a memorable yeah event. that's cool and i find awesome. any any sort of mini adventure especially in the winter is you know, it gives you something to look forward to, something to plan for. Yeah. Even if it's horrendous, you can then laugh about it afterwards. Yeah, yeah so definitely. True. Yeah. And, and that, going back to that um, incident in Australia, so just tell us about that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a pleasant experience. Well, the moral of the story is basically don't decide to go camping on the cliff edge after a few drinks. Uh, it was Melbourne Cup Day, so it was the day off work, and yeah. work took us out, and you know a few beers down the races, and we were just about to leave Australia, and we'd been eyeing up this cliff edge that was on a, uh, a headland, um, completely remote, no one could see it. It was about five meters above the waterline and completely flat. Who says that? I was eyeing up this cliff edge five meters away from the water. <laughs> <laughs> In the middle of nowhere. People say that kind of thing. The same people (laughs) that then end up two hours later getting rescued by Coast Guard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that's if the Coast Guard would have known we were there. Um, (laughs) Anyway, we we got there just as the sun was going down and had some food and just going to sleep on this ledge. And I could hear the waves pounding against the cliff edge. And I thought, you know, we're a long way up. It's not going to reach us. Um, and this humongous set must have come in because the first wave was a big boom, second wave bigger, third, you're starting to see spray going above the level we are. And I thought, it's all right, it's a vertical cliff, it can't come over. Well, it did. <laughs> and the it, wind caught a, it. A, well, I don't know what happened, but a lot of water. I just remember opening my eyes and seeing the water like a... Oh, <laughs> going like way way above my head and then coming down onto the platform and we were on an inflated lilo (laughs) and this water just crashed down and the force of it was enough to it carried off our bag it washed around us but it was uh yeah looking back not very sensible so we couldn't the the problem was then we couldn't get off this ledge because the way to get onto it was it was just too extreme and it was too dark and we'd lost a bit of kit by then. So we had to climb up this um, little bit of cliff and then a very scratchy walk through the, um, <laughs> through the brush, but we made it and uh, we lived to tell the tale, but it was a really stupid decision. But so now that's why, uh, you know, part of any adventure is planning and I don't take that lightly anymore. Yeah, it's crazy, man. So then you um you obviously moved back to the UK after that, did a, an occasional bit of spearfishing. Do you think um the spearfishing is is very different to Australia? Like uh, I guess you get 
more bigger fish in Australia, like different fish? What's the main difference? Yeah, I mean, you'd assume that, but when I say spearfishing in Australia, it wasn't anything like what you see on the videos. It wasn't, right. you know, dolphin fish and yep. um, Spanish mackerel. It was um, bream. It was um, a really easy fish to shoot called a ludbrick, which is still tasty. Um, but it was fairly shallow. Um, and where I was, it was a place called Foster Tunkari. And it had this huge lake system that was tidal. Um, and it was super fishy because it had all these oyster leases in there. So um, you had options of going in the ocean or in this huge lake system. <clears throat> the visibility was often, you know, crystal, crystal clear, which had its own problems because, of course, the fish... Um, that don't want to be shot keep their distance yeah, yeah. um but i i still managed to catch a few things but it certainly wasn't like uh you know what you see in some of those videos my friend andres <laughs> did actually get a uh, enormous kingfish it's huge um nice. i wasn't there when he got it but yeah that was his profile picture for a few years <laughs> <laughs> Does yeah, that nice. kind of like with with the diving out there? Is it is it deeper, um, sort of similar to America, or is it? W- were you still um, sort of shore diving? Yeah, so I never went out on a boat. It was very much shore diving, very much trying to forget about the fact that there's sharks around. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, diving in the UK just felt so much more relaxing. And it's not only sharks, but you know what Australia is like. Everything's out there to get you. Um, and you'd see yeah, something diff- different in, every time. In the UK, though, our sharks are the commercial fishermen. But we'll get into, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that story later on from our Friday. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I don't think I've heard this one yet. So No, no. We, we, to be honest, I wanted to forget oh, about it. Otherwise... It was just straight. Well, we'll, t- we'll talk about it now. So um, on Friday, we went out and uh, we went locally on my boat. And j- j- the, the viz was horrendous everywhere we were looking. We were, it was mm. it was me, Ben, Lawrence and Davo, um, or Lawrence, Davo, Ben and me. Um, and we went out. The we- weather was actually really nice. It was flat calm, wasn't it? It was yeah, lovely. Really good diving. Along. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we, we'd been out probably two hours ish, something like that. Um, just scallop diving, no guns. We didn't bother because the viz was shit, and we weren't in a place that we thought there was fish, and there wasn't. Um, and anyway, at the end, we were just all getting on the boat. We'd got our you know quota, um, and out of nowhere, this commercial, what looked like a commercial potting boat with just one older bloke on it sort of came really close to where Davo was still in the water. We'd all got back in the boat. And, um, yeah, so we were like, it's odd. All right, well, there's a couple of boys over there. Maybe he's going to pull his pots. And anyway, he turned around and came sort of straight back at us once Davo had got back on the boat. We put those scallops in the boat and uh, sort of sat there. And anyways, then got within, what, 20 metres of us, Ben? Oh, probably even less than that. I, it, he was like heading straight forwards. It was kind of like an aggressive move, but you yeah. know, going so slow that 
you know, it wasn't really going to cause us any harm. Was, you know, like that Austin Four Powers grown bit. blokes. <laughs> yeah, well, where there's yeah. a steamroller. <laughs> <laughs> for like 10 minutes. <laughs> but anyway, when he got then close enough, he's pointing his camera phone at us through his window. And we're like, the fuck? Like, what's this guy's problem? And anyway, then he comes to the back, his back door as he goes past us. He goes, "Where's your fucking licenses?" And we're all we're all licensed, and so he's <laughs> obviously had issues with people, you know, scalloping or doing whatever diving without licenses. But um, just really, I um, weird, I really think aggressive. I know the I think I know the old way you're talking about, and I think I know the spot you went. Obviously, so. Uh, that spot is notorious for an old boy that obviously uh, does potting out there. And he's called the R&R line a couple of divers before that were spearfishing really? there. Really? Just he doesn't like anyone diving near his pots here. Well, I don't like his boat doesn't hold water. <laughs> right, I'm going to put some holes in it at some point. It's just like, the thing is, if he'd have come over um, and sort of said, have you guys got licenses? Like a, a normal human being... Um, then we'd have all turned around and said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah, we're we're, we're locals and we're all licensed. We, you know, but this is not a regular spot, but this is one of the spots that we know of. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll send you our licenses as soon as we get back if you want. But it was just the way he went about it. It was just it's no, well, it? yeah, yeah. So probably, uh, no, I'm not even going to go in there." Yeah. Gonna get fucking more I comments. All fishermen are territorial, but when it's a business as well, and I don't know what their rules are, whether they steer clear of each other's spots or whatever, but yeah, it's, it, it's yeah, even worse as a commercial fisherman, especially for pots as well. You hear all sorts of stories. Yeah. I've heard of fishermen putting razor blades around the around the oh. pots to stop people uh Pulling him up. Yeah. I, I don't know. Wow. I did wonder why I got cut that time. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, we, we we digress. Um so with with the fact that you were shore diving, has your technique had to change much from the from Oz obviously taking into account the fact that you're no longer looking for sharks, but um yeah. has the technique changed? Is it well is it I would say I would say I didn't really have any technique. <laughs> it was, <laughs> I, I honestly, I, the kit I had, it was um, up until, even when I went up to Scotland a couple of years ago, I still had a, um, you know, a snorkeling mask and I didn't even know how to equalize properly. So every time I went for a dive, it would be a couple of days of ear pain. Um, but basically what I was doing was swimming down frantically, heading towards where I thought there might be a fish and, somehow I occasionally was lucky and you know I'd sneak up on something um but the oyster leases were quite fun they're quite easy because you can hide in them and just um wait the, to see the what, what sorry the, the oyster uh, leases. oyster leases yeah so a bit like the mussel farms um it's like right. rows of um yeah these uh, like wooden frames that the oysters grow on um but obviously that brings in a lot of other fish um yeah nice but yeah, no, then back in the UK, I mean, oh, the hours I spent looking for bass and I'd always get out and think, oh, there's no bass in the sea anymore. It's overfished. <laughs> um, but I go there now exactly the same spot, just with the proper technique. And I, I'm just like, oh, I'm bored of seeing bass. Where's something else? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what do you think you changed then, Lawrence? Is there like some like one key tip that you could give our listeners? Oh, I don't know about one, but um, just slow down. 
I think. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> you all say that I zoom around everywhere. I still do. I can't help it. But what I tend to do now, if I do a dive in a spot that, and I, I would say dive a spot that you're confident you're going to see something. Because when you dive down and in the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, this is a waste of time. Inevitably, you won't give it long enough and you'll come back up. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what I do, I, I convince myself there's something that's going to come in down there. I'll drop down. And now I just chill out for 20 seconds. That's 20 seconds on the bottom. I'll hardly look up at all because I'm convinced that if you start frantically staring at everything that's coming towards you, mm-hmm. it's, it's not going to help things. So I use my watch for that. I'll wait for 20 seconds and then I'll start gently just scanning and you know more times than not something's turned up that's coming to check you out and you hiding like in the kelp are you making sure that your head is below the kelp line uh it depends what is around um and getting your buoyancy right is something i'm still working on because Mm. i I, yeah i've been overweighted i've been underweighted and that makes a difference but generally i try not to because it's so easy to have your fins flapping around behind you and you'll think mm-hmm. you're being really still but you're not <laughs> so yeah keep a low profile but um yeah it, you know enough to spark some interest for something to come up as well well going back to that friday boat dive i think uh, you saw one of my buoyancy aid techniques when we were scalloping <laughs> uh, so well, when we went with, with my scholars. bag <laughs> yeah. i don't know how you're doing that <laughs> uh well the, by the last time nor did i <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. It was, it was actually really dangerous so the, when we go when i go scalloping with Davo, that he's obviously very very experienced he knows what he's doing he knows his limits and he's done it a, a million times um but one of the first times i went with him he was like well why are you going to him from the boat just take a catch bag with you um but what he didn't say was attach it to your float <laughs> so i've got in the floats trailing behind me and i'm carrying my catch bag with 20 ish scallops in it weighing the best part probably 13 14 kilos and the last dive on the way back up i'm going i'm gonna have to drop this bag <laughs> Shit. It's like, oh, oh dear but okay, um yeah, yeah we should have just attached quicker <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. You do your little duck dive and you smash into the bottom and create a dust cloud from the bag of scallops. Yeah. uh... Another tip that I picked up, so it was on um, Max's course. I did that last year with a friend. Um, On the dive watch, it's got a little arrow and it's normally like a 0.9 or a 1.2. Yeah. That shows you how... Yeah, descent and ascent. I didn't know that, but it gives you a good idea of um you know if you're going too fast or slow um what is too fast and, and too slow do you want it to be like about one or? yeah so yeah you want it to be about one so if you're diving down to 10 meters it should take about 10 seconds then uh-huh. so you know it's going to take you know roughly 10 to get back up and then it helps you kind of figure out where you're going to be comfortable with your breath hold yeah, that makes sense. Oh, no, you're no, checking no. on the surface, right? You're not checking it as you're going down, like, oh, I need to fin a little bit faster now, or, or are you? <laughs> no, 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 no. Everything's as tucked in as possible on the way yeah. down. Um, but yeah, afterwards, you'll do a little um, review and calibration. Gives you something to look at when you're breathing up for the next yeah, yeah. one. Yeah. Sorry, but, Yeah, that's... Oh, yeah, go on, Anthony. 
No, no, no. I was just going to say on the edit course, we learned that um, with, with that descent speed, it's meant to be roughly, if you're weighted right, it's meant to be one kick per meter. Okay. Um, and so if you're going down to six meters, you should, in theory, only need six kicks. Um, and, you know, once you've done your six kicks, you should be within a meter of the bottom. Um, and the rest of it, obviously, is if, if you're, you're weighted right, um, you just let yourself glide down and be comfy. So, yeah, maybe count your kicks next time you're going down to a depth Good and uh, right. see, see how many kicks it is. Because that means then, and I learned it from a, a chap um, that I was on the aid one course with, Scott, an American, and he was saying, and it was weird because I buddied with him going up and down the line on our free diamond course. And the entire time he had his eyes shut until he got to the bottom. He got down to wherever it was, 50 metres, 20 metres, 25 metres. And then he opened his eyes, looked around, and then immediately closed his eyes again and came to the surface. And what he was saying is that once you close your eyes, it shuts down that part of the brain, stops the use of oxygen for your eyesight. So you can relax a lot more and concentrate on you go into the surface, you go into the bottom or whatever. Um, but he was saying all he does is he, he does his duck dive, counts his kicks, opens his eyes, and he's on the bottom. And, I mean, for spearfishing, slightly different, but uh, that's where I learned it from. Very interesting. Yeah, that doesn't interesting. sound relaxing to me, like closing no. your eyes and, and finning until... I like seeing what's around. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> See, I've, I've done it online, and I did it when I went to Vobster um, for the first time only that few months ago. And actually it is so relaxing when you're on a line for spearfishing i don't think it would work pretty much at all what if you kick a um, bit too hard though and then you land in a plane on lobster or something like well with with, with the free divers most of the time you sort of i think with, with what scott's saying is if, if you're diving on a line he'll close his eyes the entire time because you've got your 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 hand around the line or you've got your tassel or whatever it's called your tether yeah um, and that attach the line so you can't really kick too hard okay, or go on, too yeah. far um but with what you were saying with diving um wrecks or you know subjects you would just cl he just closes his eyes when he's doing his breather, does his duck dive, and opens his eyes about halfway or half the amount of kicks that he's done, so that then he isn't wasting that oxygen. But um, it is it's really zen. I just I don't think it would work really for spearfishing, yeah, other than you know maybe just close your eyes while you're doing your duck dive and open them. But it does give you a bit of a I don't know. It's it's like a spatial sickness. Yeah. Um, because then you open your eyes and you've got to like look around and figure yeah, out where you are again. Weird. So for spearfishing, it might not work, but um, when I tried it at Obster, it was really, really cool. Cool. Have you done a course, Lawrence? So uh, I think um, all of our technique has, has improved over the, the, the year. Um, I think probably I was the worst of all of us at the start of the year, probably still the worst of all of us, but I feel like I've made some decent progress. I've watched all of your techniques, but Lawrence, you are particularly smooth in the water when you're doing your duck dive. It's almost like proper textbook. Let's take a video of this and stick it on YouTube. This is exactly how you should do it. Where have you learned that from? Have you done a course or something like that? Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> um, I would say, though, that you guys have been doing it for five minutes and you guys have, like, the stuff you've achieved this year is amazing. So, um yeah well done um oh, but yeah thanks. no i did um 
I'd learned a hell of a lot from going up to Scotland. And, you know, this is literally only uh, 20, well, no, it's about 40 minute dive with Arian. Yeah. Mm. Um, I got in touch with him, said I'm going up. It was very early in the season. We didn't see many fish, but um, he was probably like, oh, who's this guy? <laughs> he looks like he hasn't <laughs> got a clue when I got there. But just, I took on board a lot of what he said. Um, and again, you go back, you watch videos. Um, yeah, so it's a bit like skiing or any sport where you can pick up, uh, you know, just concentrate on one tip at a time and then get that right, move on to the next thing. Mm. Um, but videos, videos are such a resource and it's given us such an advantage. Um, another really good channel that not many people have heard of is um, it's called Aquatic Rehab. Have you heard of it? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Right, no. Oh, it's fantastic. And uh, the guys just put on a load of uh, information videos. Um, it's him talking to the camera, but you can pick up some good tips from him because his ability in the water is unbelievable. He's in New Zealand doing snapper and kingfish and all that crazy stuff um you know often with 15 um bronze whalers on his tail (laughs) so it's not quite what we do (laughs) but still you can learn from anyone but yeah no i did say um you say my boat's not enough (laughs) (laughs) have i got to get a boston whaler (laughs) that's a shark mate (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh! Yeah, well, maybe I need to watch his videos and figure out what the fuck I'm talking about. Bronze, sorry, yeah, Yeah, that's a big shark. Um, But no, I did a course um, with Max that was excellent. It was a bit unlucky with the weather. Um, I suffered terribly from seasickness. You know, even if it's slightly choppy, I've uh, convinced myself that I don't need a seasickness tablet and invariably i end up regretting it (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah it was a bit choppy i was on the edge of seasickness all day but again you do it to get the information and Mm -hmm. um it it definitely made me uh yeah concentrate more on what i'm doing basically um but yeah i'd recommend anyone that can go out and it doesn't have to be a course you just you know go out with more experienced people like we're going out with Davo, and we're so lucky that he's willing to share his knowledge with us and yeah he's he's just full of information isn't he yeah awesome. gotcha no, and I, it's I, not, I, sorry go say, on. It, it's not always the uh current up-to-date advice he's saying to you look i've been doing this for 50 years and he's got a point (laughs) yeah three million years ago there was bass here (laughs) (laughs) and so how is how has your equipment changed versus oz like do you use anything different obviously wetsuit i already said is one of the things but yeah so um yeah a decent mask helps um uh yeah i've made my own guns now but i think the gun as long as it's reliable it's it doesn't have to be anything fancy at all i was gonna uh, say uh he, he definitely loves his massive big heavy guns eh? <laughs> <laughs> i know i think that's more my love of woodwork that's come out with that <laughs> so, <laughs> why do you make your own guns 
yeah so i've made a couple of wooden guns i made a double banded um everyone well i think richard calls it the elephant gun or the tuna gun. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's huge but the beauty of wood is it's weightless in the water if you get it balanced right yeah. it's fun making your own thing to shoot stuff with when um, I go out spearfishing with Lawrence and Taj, it feels a little bit like I'd imagine what Anthony feels like going into a changing room for the event. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very underpowered. <laughs> oh, uh, oh. <laughs> ow! <laughs> Fuck you! The funny thing is, though, I did the um, there was an evening where Max, the Frenchman, he uh did a course on or an evening course on how to rig your gun right and i turned up with my elephant gun and i could see he was sort of like <laughs> oh that, that that's pretty nice nice bit of woodwork there but useless in the water but i'd rigged it up all wrong the tensions were wrong the bands were way too long and i was basically using it really underpowered for what it should be mm. um adjusted it and then i was shooting high on everything but i've readjusted my aim and now it's all good again but the roller so, gun's fun what size is it yeah see i <laughs> it's massive but it's actually only i think it's about 75 really Cause oh. I, yeah because i didn't know that you know when people say the size of the gun like 80 100 it's the distance from the bit the, the trigger yeah, it's, it's a bit under tension isn't it it's it's not even the trigger mech. It's where you hook it onto. Oh, what on the spear? Yeah. So it's basically, I might be talking out my ass here. It's the bit that's <laughs> under tension. Am I right, Ben? Did I remember that that's, right? It sounds right to me. But I've never made my own gun. So if anybody knows, yeah. it's you, mate. But I mean, it's not even even if you buy a gun, you can't always rely on it being rigged up right. So I'd say check it. Mm. Yeah, definitely. That's that's yeah, that's pretty good. Um, bit of advice let's be honest because a lot of guns I've bought fully rigged I've had to re-rig them because they're just utterly useless yeah it makes such a big difference huge huge difference yeah yeah, yeah definitely and uh, what, what's the what's sort of process like is it quite complex to make your own gun like what you know we, we have asked um, Arian when he was on the uh, podcast before but like for you, did you need a lot of tools? Um, was it mostly hand tools, power tools? What, what were we looking at? Um, I did it with hand tools mainly. Um, I routed the line. That's probably a sensible thing to do. Um, what were the spears that you mean? With the router, yeah, the bit the shaft sits in. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, they're not that complicated. It's a straight bit of wood with a trigger mechanism and something to stick bands through and handle um i think we spoke a a while ago about like the price of them though because you were saying that although the wood itself i mean the wood's kind of expensive in itself but then you were saying how like just the trigger guard because it's custom it's like 75 million pounds (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i i kind of um didn't add it up as I went along because it would ruin the fun. Um, <laughs> and also ruin your financial life. <laughs> yeah. Um, Arian's just made another couple of guns and they're beautiful. Um, and he used all the best parts he could get. And I think he said he spent nearly 400 quid on just bits for the gun. 
Almost. So you think making a wooden gun, you're like, the wood might be quite a key component, but you know, that's the bit I get for free. <laughs> the mm. rest is, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm looking at mine now and uh, you know, the real 50 quid, at least trigger guard, probably 15 quid trigger 50 quid. The roller muzzle thing was about hundred quid spear 50 quid. Wow. It's horrendous. <laughs> and then, so how many hours do you think it took you roughly from you know getting uh, a naked piece of wood to to fire in it yeah quite a few hours but you know that's me i like tinkering over things um you can do it with power tools and it will save you a lot of time um but it depends what you're doing it for um roughly I, 40 hours no no probably about six. Oh, okay, no, maybe, oh, maybe, okay. Maybe, maybe a few more because the, the bit that i don't enjoy is getting the balance right because you've mm. got to cut wood out and then pour in lead so you mount up the lead you pour it in and then you've got to test it and the first gun i made i got it perfect in the paddling pool <laughs> and then you take it out into salt water and obviously salt water is a different floats. density so yeah you've got a gun that floats um and then you've got to keep cutting it and you've got to re-epoxy it every time it quickly becomes pain in the ass but that's the one bit of the process that is a fact. Um, so I, were you doing some kind of stranger things with your paddling pool where you're just emptying bags of salt into it to try and get it <laughs> like salt water? I should have. That's a good idea. Next time. Next time. <laughs> Not lying it and trying to go into the upside down. But uh, yeah. yeah. Why why like... do you pre- why do you prefer using your own ones over to like just what you can buy in the shop? Um I've been let down a few times by guns um the first really big bass i saw um and this was splashing around in cornwall in the shallows and just by chance i was it was almost like i was inside a bait ball on the surface and you had the garfish you know splitting yeah, yeah. I, I love that it's amazing. yeah it's amazing it's yeah such good fun um but anyway i was looking around and suddenly i just saw these two <laughs> shadows big shadows and two really really nice sized bass were just sitting off the edge of it well within range and uh, I still have my Australian gun so you know when you're just I keep calm keep calm I, was, <laughs> I think I was even on the surface I had no reason to be you know in a rush but yeah went to fire it and the trigger wasn't working probably because uh, I hadn't uh, shot the gun <laughs> probably because it had seized up because I hadn't actually fired it so long <laughs> and uh yeah it eventually went off but it, by that point I was sort of looking at the gun wondering why it wasn't working and that was I felt like that was my one opportunity to get a big bass had gone <laughs> um and then I upgraded it but you know the cheapy sort of cressy ones that have those horrible uh metal and plastic um, yeah notches i've taken the skin off my hand a few times with that where yeah. it sort of slips and you yeah, know, you yeah. look down you're like oh half my thumb is now sort of floating <laughs> um it was a and, bait <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's like those injuries never hurt at the time but you just say oh this is gonna hurt for weeks now <laughs> <laughs> i was just gonna throb yeah um but no i i love my wooden guns and yeah, it's good fun. You don't, I said how expensive it was, but that was for a roller gun. 
but that's got very fancy parts to it and it's a something i want to last forever so i got the best non-corrosive stuff um but if you want to make a simple band gun that can be cheap you know it can be really cheap and fun nice and there's there's loads of videos on it awesome and just going a bit into about you before we go into a few other subjects um tell us a bit about who you are sort of outside of spearfishing what do you do what's your career and family kids yeah so uh i'm a dentist uh i've got two kids so um i very much with all my hobbies try and incorporate it into family life Mm. (laughs) that's that's the lie i tell myself (laughs) uh, (laughs) you know um the pandemic happened and i went down to three days because obviously um it changed the way we worked um and then since then, I went up to four days and I've stopped at four days, which is actually really nice. So now Friday is my spearfishing day. <laughs> um, and it means that, you know, the weekends are still free. But I can't quite believe how lucky we are to live where we do, where in the summer we get really long evenings, you know, in terms of light. So in Australia, even in the summer, it's dark by seven o'clock normally. So you don't have the opportunity to go out once the kids are in bed. Um, and even in the winter, we'll still be going out. We'll still be after, you know, bits and bobs. But um, yeah, so yeah, spearfishing is something I think about a lot and try and do as much as I can. Um, but I do a bit of shooting in the winter. Um, I'm into mushroom hunting now um and yeah we keep pigs and bees and chickens things like that it's pretty cool i had some of your honey tonight actually um it is the best honey i've ever tasted uh still going having a little bit every time i do 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 some food and um yeah it was a, it. it was a good year we got so much this year i was speaking to someone who said uh they'd been doing it for 50 years and it was probably one of the best years for it because wow. it was such a dry hot summer the so nice. bees were out foraging and so so you've got what hives on at home or yeah yeah in the corner of the garden we've got a couple of hives on the go um and yeah they you know you've got to look at them a few times a year uh we're not massively hands-on with it because every time we try and you know manipulate the hive to prevent a swarm it doesn't seem to work so we find that if we leave them to it that they tend to get on with it but <laughs> you do have to check them for disease and uh, you know you keep a general eye on things give them space where they need it um but yeah no, it's, it's a fun hobby but it's quite I easy mean. to do is it then um i wouldn't say particularly easy because you do have to um I'd say some, yeah, you'd need a bit of experience to before you go out and buy all the kit yourself. Yeah. But there's always people that are willing to uh, give their advice. It's a very friendly community of the beekeepers. They uh, they like a cup of tea and cake, and, and <laughs> so you'll always find some my kind you know, of people. Gen- yeah, yeah, generally retired people <laughs> that enjoy the social side as much as beekeeping that's um, really nice we, yeah. we got the kit from sarah's dad he did it for about eight years and 
um, he passed it over to us and we've been doing it for about six years now. And I, we're quite proud of ourselves because I think the average time for the average beekeeper of doing it is about five years and then people are like, you know. Oh, they get bored, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. And you keep pigs as well, right? Excuse me. Yes, yeah, we... Um, yeah, we've been doing that for a few years. Um, pigs are great um, animals to keep if you've got the space for them. They're very easy um, and delicious. Have you still got awesome. any in your freezer? Because I can't, I can't <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Our freezer is is now full of um, the last two, who were Pepper and Susie. Um, <laughs> were they the two that I met? Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't get to say goodbye. Bye. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll have to yeah. say goodbye as I'm munching on them. They had a nice <laughs> life. Um, yeah, we we try and give them as nice a life as possible. Yeah. Um, but you know, you can't overwinter a pig outdoors. It's you know, it just turns into a boggy mush, and you can sort of see they get a bit low when the weather's bad. So, but that, um, that that's an amazing thing to teach the kids though is is the way that you're sort of doing it and i, I sort of yeah. idolize how you've done it with the kids and showing them the entire process um you know from getting yeah. to know the animals and feeding them and stuff but how, how, yeah. do, how do they find it they they're amazing actually because <laughs> the other day we were with friends and uh, our friends hadn't realized we'd slaughtered them and uh, they said oh how's pepper and susie and, uh, oh, no. <laughs> well, they're on your but, plate <laughs> so we were thinking yeah we were thinking uh oh what's she gonna say but completely straight face you just said delicious <laughs> oh. <laughs> amazing so you know they see what it is um they love a roast dinner so uh, there's no fear that they're gonna suddenly rebel or forget stress about it <laughs> that's great they it. see me come home with all sorts you know pheasant duck and uh, fish and crabs and all sorts so. and mushrooms um, as well yeah is this, yeah, this is a fairly new hobby is it yeah i was so lucky and it was actually through someone who bought some of the pork off us a couple of years uh, ago or was it last year i think it was only last year yeah he uh, he was a french guy and he was talking about mushrooms and said oh, you know, I'll take you out when it's autumn. Um, so got back in touch last year and his his knowledge is just encyclopedic on mushrooms. Even though he hasn't, I think he's only recently bought a book on them. He was shown by his grandfather and his father back in France. Um, and he's been basically roaming Devon for the last 15 years, finding these amazing spots for mushrooms. Um, and uh, yeah, he was moving back to France. He's in Brittany now. So uh, I'm looking forward to going and visiting him because I think the spearfishing there could be good. Um, but yeah, he gave me so much information and all these spots that, you know, you'd walk past the spot and you wouldn't see it. But when you tune into it, the mushrooms are just everywhere at this time here. It's amazing. I saw a picture, I can't remember whether it was our, our group or the Exeter group but basically your whole table was full of these mushrooms what what kind of mushrooms are they <laughs> yeah so we we only picked the ones that are easy to id so there's probably a big cauliflower mushroom there's um hedgehog honey buns or set um 
uh, winter chanterelle. It's been an amazing year for winter chanterelle. Mm -hmm. um, and a few other bits and bobs, purple deceivers, maybe. So um, for someone like me, that, that I I would love to be able to take the kids out. And we, we got to um, Mammahead and um, what's that other forest called? Holden. And we, we go out there for walks during the winter quite often um, and during the summer, but mainly during the winter. And I, I see mushrooms, but they scare the living shit out of me mm. in that I always think if I'm going to eat that, I'm either going to die or I'm going to have shits for three weeks. <laughs> like one of the two, but I love or, or mushrooms. <laughs> or, well, yeah. Can, where do I find them? <laughs> like as, as a beginner, for somebody because we're all spearheads we love taking things from nature and sort of foraging and hunting ourselves where would you go for the information and the knowledge to figure out you know this is edible is it just a case of googling or oh no i i wouldn't recommend that um the best thing you can do is go out with someone who knows their stuff um and you know i've started taking a few people out but i'm thinking i've only done one season of this i don't want to be responsible so i'm always heavy on the disclaimers <laughs> all the forms yeah it's funny that you know you go out and with your bag and you take a few mushrooms but anyone you bump into either thinks you're doing it to get high or because you've got a death wish but it's i don't know at what point in the uk we lost the handed down knowledge of what is a safe mushroom to pick because yeah, the, yeah, the French, true. anywhere on the continent, they're crazy for it. You know, they mm. go out with torches trying to get to their secret yeah, spots. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, it, there's a lot of crossover. You know, any sort of foraging will appeal to your average Spiro. So I would say, um, yeah, get out there with someone that knows what they're talking about. Um, I did see advertised some courses for mushroom picking, but it was it was silly money <laughs> you know it took me i was going out several times a week with uh, kilda the french friend um and you need to keep doing it you need to sort of buddy up with someone basically mm. um and someone that's sensible they say you get what is it um old mushroom hunters and bold mushroom hunters but not that there's no crossover <laughs> is it is it similar to what you were saying earlier on with the videos on youtube of, of the likes of dan man where youtube has got a lot of information did you did you do much youtubing yeah to... i do now because when kilda doesn't reply in time i'm on the internet. <laughs> impatient <laughs> yeah exactly and there is some obviously some excellent advice out there um one um channel a guy called miles or milo yeah, I think it's Milo on Wild Food UK. That's definitely one to trust. Mm. Um, but it's not very often that I'd reach for a book to ID a mushroom because I will go for the ones that I know. Um, you know, there's one called A Trooping Funnel, which is uh, quite prolific at this time of year. I've seen lots this year. But, you know, even though I'm very confident um, that it is that mushroom, you're relying on the smell of it and the size of it. So 
you know you can be so so confident but then you read can also be confused with the deadly blah 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 and you're like, <laughs> that's just going to ruin my meal if i do it <laughs> so, um, not not quite the same as spearfishing that bass definitely cannot be confused with a white tooth shark <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah and you might get a slightly dodgy taste in fish but it ain't going to kill you right it's not going to leave you on dialysis or you know for the rest no. of your life it, it, they can be really quite dangerous mushrooms so i guess that's oh. why people are so scared of them as as yeah, delicious as they can be for good reason but i mean i looked at the other day and i think the average number of deaths per decade from a death cap which is a very common mushroom you see them everywhere if you look um is one per decade in the uk oh wow christ so but it's, it's is not that, a is, lot, but is that just because that the fact that we don't forage anywhere? I mean, I, I would have said that wild mushroom foraging is probably a smaller sport than than spearfishing. Mm. Yeah, I, uh, I, well, I don't know. I don't know. It's quite niche, isn't it? Um, mm. I don't know if it's a sport. You, you, uh, in fact, no. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, if it includes walking around, it's a fucking sport. <laughs> Uh, if I can't get in my car and just drive to a drive-through, <laughs> then I am competing in the sport. Thank you very much. Oh, mate, how quick you can hear Mackie's is definitely a sport. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I. It's um, in fact, the only people I ever see mushroom hunting are normally <laughs> no, Eastern <laughs> Europeans. Anyone not, that lives from the continent, French or wherever. They're just naturally going to think of it at this time of year. Yeah. Mm. And so, like, that, so this, it, this time of year, do you do a lot of, um, you know, foraging on the coastline, like just for clams and razor clams and stuff like that? No, should do. I'd like to. Um, yeah, prawning is something that's always appealed. Um, ben, you've done quite a bit of that, haven't you? Yeah, I love it. It's uh, something that we've kind of done. Yeah, since I before I can remember, you know, since we were little kids, we'd always go down to the rock pools and pull out a few prawns and take them home and make a sandwich. Uh, we used to go to France quite a bit as kids, and every year, you know, we'd go to the French supermarkets. And I think it's it's bigger over there seafood, isn't it? I don't know why that is, but oh, yeah, like the you go and you see all the fresh fish and the the live crabs and live lobsters and stuff like that, and they'd always have somewhere you can buy prawning nets or shrimping nets and those are two different things so the shrimping nets are basically where you'd skim a net across the sand and you have like a little wedge at the front like a wooden wedge and you'd scoop up the shrimps into there the sand shrimps and there's the prawning nets which are more circular which have a you know just a traditional net i guess and then you put those underneath the rocks and pick up some prawns and yeah we've been doing it every year since yeah well before i can remember and I love it. Yeah, it's just like prawns are so delicious. Is there a lot season of, to it? Well, well, a lot of people yeah. don't. Re- yeah, a lot of people don't realise that in the UK we actually get quite a lot of prawns. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's one thing a lot of people don't realise. I when I've been squid fishing off pier before and just chucked in a pot like you know, one of those ones for the prawns, a small one, and had quite a few prawns in there. And I tell you what, they were bloody delicious, man. Mm. They were like unreal. Yeah, it's so, not like the ones you get from the supermarket either. I mean, a lot of them are freshwater prawns anyway from the supermarket, right? 
yeah they're they're, um they're not massive in the uk they're they're fairly small so they take a bit of effort to to peel down whatever but i tell you what they're better than any lobster or crab or fish that 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 you'll find that they're just um just just gorgeous is it is there a season for them are they are they seasonal? Are they yeah, I mean, no, normally I'd ask my dad that kind of question, but <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest, What's but yeah, I reckon. Yeah, so basically, it's it's from the end of the end of the summer, or you know, towards the back end of the summer onwards through to. I mean, I guess about now when it gets a bit colder, um, they tend to go away, and in the um, in the spring, I guess there's not not as many around because it's a cold. I guess they, they migrate a little bit like fish, I, I suppose um but you'll see them all year round like i've i've been um prawning in you know march and april and there's been plenty of prawns there i guess perhaps it's just that i don't want to get in there at that time of year you know, <laughs> my little bodies on and uh my flip-flops one of the things i see when we whenever i go sort of specifically lobster hunting with spearfishing um over the last year was any of the lobster holes that I try to get in, I'm having to push prawns out yeah. of the way. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I know I, it's never really clicked to go. Just go spearfishing with a net. Like, just go and get well, a load of prawns. I've thought about it a lot, and I, I saw um, someone did it. They made like a, a little prawn shooter. It was like a tiny little spear yeah, gun. Spear, spear fin, spear fin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I thought about doing that. I think it'd be possible to have some kind of a net down there, but you've got the hassle of taking it down and bring it back up again. Although, Anthony, you can do it with 20 scallops. You'll probably be able to do it with a few prawns, to be fair. Yeah, you're going to find out I'm dead from prawning soon. <laughs> um, stuck on the bottom somewhere. But I think it's quite I think it's quite cool if we give it a go just like foraging on the coast when we have especially weather like this. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, go get razor clams and stuff like that. I mean, razor clams what, are delicious. And what I would say as well is all of these things are very like location specific. So there are places that you will just not find prawns. And actually, I went down um with you, Anthony, didn't I? What do I I think did I have my ears or I'd, I'd hurt something yeah. and I couldn't yeah. actually um go spear fishing. So I just I took a net down thinking, oh, I'll just see if there's any prawns there. And there was nothing, like literally nothing. And it's just the different types of ground in the same way that different fish like different types of ground. So do, does everything else. I mean, I guess that's obvious, right? But, you know, yeah. it's only obvious when you think about it. I caught zero prawns that day. Um, in fact, I caught zero anything that day. Um, <laughs> no, neither did I, apart from a, a, the, the tail of a seal. Oh, I thought you caught you caught a little pollock as well, didn't you? And oh, we're, yeah. We're, we're going to have a bit of a cook-up, but we decided it was totally pointless <laughs> and went to McDonald's instead. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about foraging, um, sort of like sea-based foraging. The one, it's it's again, I think it's like knowing the spots because yeah. watching um, the the fish locker and John, that guy like every and i know it's youtube but any time that i watch any of his foraging youtubes i'm like how the fuck do you find everything mm. all the time and he's always yeah. in a really good spot so i he think i don't know where together and you know every time doesn't he yeah. and, <laughs> and like, throws half of it back you're like oh yeah and i go down there with the misters and the kids going right that's it we're gonna eat well today and we get like a cockle <laughs> It's a good patch. He's Falmouth way. There's you've got um, Carrick Roads, and there's amazing potential in that area. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, We need to organise a trip. I think some point over winter, take all the families down there and go down there for a day on a weekend. That'd be nice. 
yeah really nice R- razor clams you're saying richard are pretty good and and i think just talking back to a few episodes ago quite a lot of episodes ago actually you are allowed to eat them over the winter right it's the yeah so anything, yeah that's right anything don't have anything, that, anything that's bivalve basically that filters water you should eat in the winter so um this right now it's a great time to eat oyster like you did the other day and yep. razor clams um there are no one spot that's quite close to us i'll uh, shoot boys a message after it's um full of um clams surf clams oh cool and, oh, nice and then you um yeah so you just filter them out so you bring a bit of water back with you and you just leave them in there to purge sorry not filter mm. perch and they get rid of all the sand and then you can make some really nice pastas with that they're so, small colorful ones uh, no, the little uh, white ones. So they're not very big. They're only about two and a half centimeters across. I mean, like, like yeah. up, up, maybe get a bit bigger than that, but not very much. And um, yeah, they're, they're so prolific because no one picks them. So they're mm. just everywhere. But yeah, they make amazing pasta, like really good pasta. I've got a spot as well locally that um, for cockles, well, I'd go down there probably once a year with the boys, um, my kids, and we will go down there for sort of three or four hours and fill a massive yellow you know those plastic buckets yeah um and we'll film one of those and all you need to take down is that bucket and a rake um and they're amazing you just got to watch the tide but uh yeah and then stick them in vinegar and they're way they're so much bigger than any of the store-bought stuff again the same with fish but uh yeah really really good day out that's awesome well speaking of um foraging we went up to Sky and caught some massive scallops. Right, they were we huge. They were how big was your biggest one, Anthony? Uh, one hundred and seventy-five mil. So, yeah, massive. <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, to give you an idea. The the normal catch for sort of Devon and Cornwall um, is anywhere from one hundred and ten to one hundred and thirty-five-ish mil. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think to grow from 135 to 175, it's something like six years. It's wow. it's huge difference. Um, but yeah, no, they were massive up there. And Lawrence, <laughs> on one of the first spots that we went to for the follow the the foraging on the boat from Scallops, um, there was a few seals in the water with you. I think. Yeah, don't remember that. <laughs> do you not <laughs> i remember when we, so so after we'd um we just had lunch and then tom had done a poo in the sea and then we went around the corner and that was the first scallop spot that you got in um and just before you got in there was like six huge seals um and they were watching you they were within five ten meters of you Oh, I wasn't aware of that. You blanked it out. <laughs> Traumatised, obviously. You just get focused, don't you? Yeah. I, I mean, I've had a few seal experiences, and Arian was doing his best to wind us up before we got up there. Yeah, that was He funny. was saying that we'd have to uh, defend each other. You know, one down, one defending. <laughs> uh, uh, I, mean, I thought uh, it was serious at first as well. It was quite funny. <laughs> But I, I guess I'm lucky. I haven't had a bad experience with a seal, but they do unnerve you a bit. They are big animals, aren't they? Yeah. Mm. I find them scarier on land, though. Right. There's, there's been a few occasions, one in New Zealand, where I didn't realise it was a seal-covered beach. And uh, I'd just gone in. I was diving for abalone. Do you know what mm-hmm. they are? Yeah. 
they're yeah they're quite delicious if you cook them right but um yeah i was i can't remember if i was going in or out but suddenly i looked around and i was like oh these rocks are moving and it's like they all <laughs> turned around and you suddenly realize that you've got to run a gauntlet and when because they, they're obviously much more defensive when they're on land because they're mm. just big blobs aren't they um oh yeah they're quite scary quite aggressive but in the water they're just playful aren't they mm. I don't know, well, I don't know about that I, I pulled up on a boat <laughs> off a pinnacle once and there was two big seals um and the bull he came right next to the boat as i was putting my fins on and uh, he's popped up with his head and he just started growling, full on growling at me. And how do you go in the water at this stage? And my brother just looked at me, he was like, go on then, get in your pussy. I was like, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not getting there, not even if you paid me. So let's go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> how was the, um, so we're going back to the scallops. How, how did you find the scallop diving this guy, Lawrence? Uh, yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, he, Aaron did put us on a few spots where he we were coming up with nothing and he was like come on where are they like <laughs> but he said the commercial divers can just go through an area and then it's mm. literally hoovered up but you know when you're on the spot it's fantastic because you don't necessarily find a lot per dive but when you do they're like dinner plates aren't they they're mm. huge compared to what we see yeah versus what to... you're saying with the with the size and the sort of the scarcity i mean scotland's got the the six daily catch limit on scallops and we've got 25 yeah. and you've got to be licensed down here but yeah. versus sky how do you how do you find the diving of scallops down here yeah i mean i was on the hunt for scallops for years and i eventually found some in cornwall and uh, then arian came down couple of years ago and i took him um to a spot not expecting to find any but we happened upon a patch so i was absolutely made up but then you know since then i've been finding them all over the place um quite unexpected places but the density you get here is insane in some areas but i don't know part of me wonders why it's six a day up there and you can take 25 a day down here no limit in Cornwall either. Like in Cornwall, you can come back with bags for if, if you want to. Is there a yeah, limit? No, li no limit no at all. Limit. It's weird, really? isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they've got this. I think they've still got the same size limit as us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of the hundred mil, but um, no, there's no there's no bag limit. I don't know. I think the trouble with scallops is they once you know a patch, it's quite easy to, you know, they must be quite vulnerable to being hoovered up, but. Yeah. Um, they move around though know. bear in mind like you know the, 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 they can swim and yeah uh, you know and they're actually quite fast growing really those the ones that we pick up you know around here uh, like two yeah. or three years old at, at, at the most they're and it's nice to see how many smaller ones there are because that's yeah. obviously the future yeah, yeah. stock but mm. um no i think we're blessed down here we've got so much opportunity to uh you know take a variety pack home and mm, diversity yeah, yeah yeah it's amazing so back in sky it wasn't just about scallops it was also about pollocks and you caught some pretty big ones yeah i did i was amazed because <laughs> i think i was thinking a bit like you guys you get there and you're like are there actually 
many fish here are we going to see anything bigger than we'd see back home and uh that i think this the first proper day diving each fish i shot was bigger than the last which just it was lucky really but it was uh you know even after the first three dives i was pretty pleased that you know if i'd stopped there i would have been happy but it worked all the way up to that last dive where um that's definitely the biggest fish I've shot. Uh, it was a lovely, um, yeah, Pollock just came cruising in at about 12 metres. Um, and I was absolutely exhausted. I don't know about you guys, but yeah, we, were getting beast, we were getting beasted by Aerie and he wasn't. <laughs> it was uh, right at the end he, of the day as well, wasn't it? And uh, Oh, yeah. He was like, <laughs> we all wanted to go home. <laughs> yeah, we were. We were begging to go home. He was like, you're not going to catch fish in the boat. <laughs> and I've never had it before where you're at the bottom and uh, you're coming back up and you can just feel that tiredness in your legs. Mm. I don't think I've ever had to push so hard, but it was worth it <laughs> so you shot it. the biggest one didn't you yeah i think it did yeah it was um you think you did it was by some way let's be honest <laughs> not not that we're competitive but you know. <laughs> was it, was it was an not, idea nine ten pounds was that was uh what we brought uh, out to be? it was uh i don't know it was i think it was under eight gutted so you know, yeah, it so it been, must have I been nine and a half or something, mustn't it? It was, it was a real big fish. Did you measure it, it was, at all? Uh, someone did. I, I can't remember. How big was it? I can't remember. remember. No. No. Yeah. So you always <laughs> think of these things after the event. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to give the listeners an idea, some of the pollock that I caught, one of which you decided would be really funny, thank you very much, to put in the mouth of the one that you caught. <laughs> <laughs> it was that big. The, the, the you were a bit insulted fall. by that, weren't you? <laughs> I was a little I bit. saw a little tear kind of. Yeah. <laughs> that was like my my PB Pollock's five and a half pounds, and that was bloody close, yet yours would just swallow it in one gulp. I was like, fuck's sake. I think that's my biggest regret of that trip, not taking a photo of that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say I wish you lads took a picture of his face when you did that <laughs> you won't I, I, was, I was hiding and, an Eeyore in yeah although um, I was thinking the other day I think it might be Arian that's got the thing with donkeys yeah. uh, did, did you notice every big fish it, it's always it's not just big pollock it's a donkey of a pollock yeah. <laughs> and and hasn't he got two donkeys on site so oh i don't know yeah. maybe may, maybe he just loves the donkeys too much i think yeah next time he comes down we're taking to the donkey sanctuary maybe that's yeah. why he called you or he just an affectionate term. Yeah, it was an yeah, affectionate thing. I think it, it was. Aww. <laughs> I love you, Arian. Oh, now we know. <laughs> Lawrence, what was your favourite part of the trip? Um, was it nailing that fish or what was the best part of the trip for you? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, hmm. uh, there's always so much risk involved with these trips and my ears were playing up a bit before and, um, wow, well, you know about that, Rich, because you... Yeah um yours were right in the end but it was too late but you know you're looking at the weather it's the costs start adding up and you think this is a long way to go um so we were so so lucky with the weather but just being with a group of guys that 
all get on really well and um you help each other out we all cooked and uh well i say we all cooked ben <laughs> and anthony yeah yeah and oh yeah crispy skin that was a new one for me that was good yeah mm. yeah just yeah, being was... out being out with people that you know share the same excitement for the strange things that we do and yeah definitely i'd say that's the same with um spearfishing in general if you find people that you enjoy going out with it makes a hell of a difference yeah. a solo dives i do enjoy going out my own but when you can share an experience it can uh, definitely help it's i was just going to say it? that but yeah like even... you go by yourself and it's all like it's relaxing and it's chill and de- de-stressing but that's only one kind of part of spearfishing isn't it it's also the, yeah, the yeah. i mean yeah. that our, the recent experience where I think I shared my biggest high and my biggest low uh, was with uh, Ben and Rich recently. That was um, <laughs> that was. Are we going there? Are we? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know about it. So yeah, fuck yeah, we are. <laughs> what was what was this highest high and lowest low? Come oh, on, tell me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I found a fish that. I'd never found before and I'll be honest I couldn't even ID it to start with um but I was floating around and looked down and saw something that looked to me like a top knot but it was I knew it was bigger and it wasn't near any rocks so I went down and had a look and it turned out to be a brill nice yeah so good size brill too it was, it was beautiful I was I was very, very taste? excited so yeah. We'll get to that. We, we were both, <laughs> we were both really excited for you as well, weren't we? We were high-fiving, so like, I, going, this is amazing. This is so cool. I shot it. I Yeah, I swam over to Ben and Rich. <laughs> I was like, guess what's on my float? And I was like, I don't know if it's a turbot or a brill, but either way, it's fine. And uh, Ben looks at my float and he's like, oh, mate, that's a place. <laughs> I was like, no, underneath the place. Because <laughs> uh, I was basically having the best dive I've ever done. And uh, yeah, sure enough, it was a brill. Um, and I was, you know, then I got a Dover sole and I was feeling a bit guilty at telling what the others I've got. Because <laughs> it gets to a point where you're like, they're just going to be hating me now. <laughs> um, but I was checking my float all the time, got back in. Um, to the shore was cleaning the fish and I didn't take them off the stringer because I didn't want to risk anything you know going missing and uh, washed the fish got back to the car it's like right time to take a picture it's like shit where's the brill gone it it wasn't on the stringer and uh, I realized it must have dropped off so I sprinted back down hoping to find it on the way didn't find it uh, Rich came back, we got in, we were looking and looking and looking. Um, but I realized now what had happened is I'd held the stringer from the wrong end. And because the brill was the first thing on it, the only thing holding it on was the clip. So oh. the weight of the other fish had pushed it off. So I still don't know what brill tastes like. Oh. <laughs> so what, it had fallen off on the way back to the car or while you were going uh, back to shore? It had fallen off when I just dipped them in the surf to wash it off, wash the oh, stones. Oh, God's sake. I know, I was <laughs> beyond gutted. But I would say Rich 
and Ben were just as gutted for me, which helped. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we were. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was, only I was only because not... Rich would turn around and say, "Oh, I'll put him on that spot." I was. I, was, well, I won't say I didn't, but um, <laughs> yeah, I fucking knew it. I knew it. <laughs> but what I was going to say is, I'll try not to make too many jokes too soon. <laughs> yeah, I can see. Oh, I, can see shame. I can see by the look in your face that it was going to be a, a bit of a sad culture back in. <laughs> oh, but yeah, but do you guys find it though? You, it stays in your head. Quite yeah, a long time. Yeah, like I hate, yeah. I hate wounding a fish, let alone one that not many people talk about catching them. I mm. don't know if I'm going to see one again in the next ten years. Mm. Um, I, I had one really similar with a lobster, um, at a local haunt, and uh, swimming along, see this just huge lobster just walking like by himself in the middle of a load of sand patch in between a patch of rocks, good 30 meters between the rocks. So he was obviously on his way moving house. And uh, so I was like, shit, okay, right. I'm, I'm in four meters of water, four meter viz, so I can see this thing walking along. But thinking how big it is, I'm going to dive down and grab it so that it can't swim off and grab it hard, just so that I've got a proper grip on it. And I dive down, go to grab it. As I grab it, grab straight through it. It was completely soft. And uh, literally this thing just disintegrated. And I'm like, oh, I God. nearly cried in the car on the way back. So I was like, yeah, I was going to take it home and eat it. But it was like, I just killed an animal for no reason. It yeah, was like, it's it was a very, like, very different feeling, mm, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And it it's was hard. Like, oh, for fuck's sake. My wife laughs at me. She's like, just get great, you know. <laughs> I, you're a thing, murderer. Stop yeah, being sentimental. <laughs> exactly. It's like you do go out to kill these things, <laughs> but it is different, and it's probably a good thing that we care that much. But I don't know. I there's so many highs and lows with spear fishing. I've had mm. lots of lows where you're being sick in the water because you're seasick and you're cold and you're thinking what am I doing <laughs> yeah man. Um, and yeah but it's worth it for the highs <laughs> yeah you know? I've it, like just going back to everyone as a story but when I was being sick and the, um, the doors open I was being sick as a shooting fish and at the time you're like why am I even bothering let's just get back on the boat and go back in eh? and it's just yeah. that, as you say it's those highs after that you just look at it you're like yeah that's, that's mm. awesome that's yeah. the thing. I, I still look back on like the, the Scotland trip, and I was just fucking shattered the entire trip. But I'd say probably the highlight of the trip for me was actually just sitting on the bench with you guys and mm. just sort of like talking. And it was just bliss. The per the weather, like you say, Lawrence, was at just we, we were yeah so blessed. With the weather, you lads, all right. There, this has been the best season so far, eh? and that's purely because like we've all been oh, in together it. and stuff, and it's been epic, man. Like <laughs> diving, you boys has been pretty good to be fair. So, yeah, it's been cool. Yeah, well, there's, there's a little plenty more playing. adventures. We're <laughs> yeah. uh, we're all go camping then in February. Yeah, yeah, I'm gay, man. I'll, well, I'll I've, j- I've yeah. just had some messages with a uh, person I will not say. Um, but yeah, at some point next summer, I think we need to at least arrange. A proper um, a family foraging thing, maybe this this winter, but um, 
next summer definitely do a joint couples doesn't even have to be a camping trip but it'd probably be better if it was a camping trip but a couples sort of like night and day away um so you know the ladies can all get drunk or get in the sea um and we'll go spearing and then have a proper cook-up i think that's a that'll be a really good plan sounds yeah, epic. Sounds we cool. talk about the amount of times we talk about a cook-up but I don't know why. Logistically, it never happens, does it? We've done that right. on on um, that fairly close beach with some scallops. That was nice. That oh was of, yeah, that yeah, was one of my favourite days. This um, this obviously didn't register in your brain, Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. mate, that was a special oh, day. No. Now I've got a tear <laughs> in my eye. <laughs> so have you got yeah. any plans to go back to Aaron? Arian, sorry. Uh, no, his turn to come this way, I think. Uh, next year, I'm Definitely. going to Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. Is, that, is that for a spearfishing trip? Yeah, well, officially, no, but yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, same kind of setup. I, when we went to Scotland, we took, um, rented a camper van. So, we're going to rent a camper van, and the kids absolutely love it. Um, plenty of space for spearfishing gear. And yeah, um, nice. my mushroom friend Kilda, he lived out there for a few years and he's been telling me stories of the scallops and flatfish and all sorts that are plentiful out there. Um, nice. And the beaches look quite similar to um, the Outer Hebrides and that you've got that crystal clear water and lots of uh, um, quite sheltered areas that will hold stuff. So. Yeah, Lovely. I'm looking forward to that. Nice. Awesome. Well, on to the quickfire questions. Yeah, I'll kick us off, shall I? Um, as I keep forgetting them. So what's the one piece of spearfishing equipment you can't live without? Uh, definitely Stoogeron. Huh? Yeah, so you don't suffer. Stoogeron? Like have you not heard of it? What, is, it like, no, congested, you like, is that what you were talking to me about in Scotland? <laughs> yeah. Go on, uh, tell us then. It's the, the anti-seasickness pill. Or oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's other brands, but yeah. honestly, without it, I'm a mess. <laughs> um, so what's it called? Stoogeron. I, I might be saying it wrong, yeah. But, um, yeah, I've, I've been caught out several times. I've even been quite ill with it. Um, really? That's how pathetic I am. Do you um, find that, like, over time you're needing them less like are you getting used to it or? yeah i mean you would have thought so but no <laughs> really? yeah that's dedication it's... to the sport though yeah that is uh... <laughs> yeah yeah it, it is, it is. Yeah. i'm allergic to the sea and the seasickness <laughs> but i'm still yeah. fucking getting in <laughs> i'm sure you've seen me in a bit of a mess um, i've seen you on the beach pretty close to spewing your guts up yeah 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 i've been sick a few times this year so mm-hmm. I will learn. And uh, yeah, Sudron is something that I'm very grateful for. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the next one, if money was no object, what would you like to buy for spearfishing? Probably just build a marina at my local beach. Just my boat. Because <laughs> um, I bought a sib, um, which is a small inflatable boat. It's basically a tender, isn't it? With a big engine that has a b-hole so it can go fast. Mm-hmm. And, I, lo- uh, I love you, Sydney. Yeah, it's, good it's fun. really good fun. I, I yeah. love it. 
Um, but you still got to either inflate it or take it on. I didn't off. love dragging it up Steve Shingle Beach. I'm not but... even gonna. I'm not even gonna fucking interject. But did he make you drag it up as well? Because I had to drag it up fucking Exmouth Beach at low tide. <laughs> Lawrence was like, "Yeah, it's all right. I'll take the gear." And I'm like, oh, all right, I'll take the boat. <laughs> well, I mean, the engine weighs the same amount as the boat. It's, uh... <laughs> but yeah, no, the convenience of being able to just walk onto a boat would be yeah. price- priceless, but mm. um, unreal. Well, I, th- I, th- I thought the stipulation for all of our other ones was we couldn't say anything to do with boats. So. Yeah, but- a personal marine is a little different there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about, what about what about spearfishing gear? What about if if, there, if money was no object? What would you like spearfishing gear wise? A suit yeah, that's a little you... bigger because watching <laughs> you getting in and out of your suits, some funny yes, shorter neck. Absolutely <laughs> bigger. Yeah, I, I get really bad neck ache after a long session. I think it's because it's just compressing my. That um, suit is so tight, <laughs> like a little turtle tight, popping your head out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've heard other people talking about how they get in and out, and they're like, just do this. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't help. Watching <laughs> you get in and out of that thing it makes my day. Yeah, I've I've had a few genuinely panicked moments when I'm on my own getting out of that, and you're at a point where you can't move your arms, and it's over your face <laughs> yeah and it's tired and cold and it's stuck i think i've had yeah. to help you out a bit before as you well have. i think you all have yeah so yeah <laughs> a suit that fits would be good but actually i think to be honest gear wise you can get carried away with spearfishing can't you i think sometimes mm-hmm. you've got to par it back and remember it's quite a simple thing you're trying to do and gadgety things my watch i love but even if i had all the other functions i wouldn't use them to be honest yeah. Nice. Dreams spearfishing destination. Where do you want to go spearing? I I would like to go back to Australia, and I'm sure I will because my sister's out there now, and I've got a good reason to visit. But I'd like to go back to some of the spots that I started out on, and mm. really, um, yeah, just apply what I know now and see what happens. Yeah, nice. Good nice. Stuff. And the most important question of all, who do you prefer diving with between us three? <laughs> oh, that's so cruel. That's like asking to choose your favourite child. Um... Just before you answer, just I know you've got a sib. Remember, I have a nice boat. <laughs> of that, which that you but he doesn't, be welcome. Yeah, but he doesn't know any good spots, so it doesn't help. Uh, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> Remember who took you to a brill spot. Yeah, true. I took I mean, you to loads of good spots. There was just fuck all there on the day. <laughs> well, it boils back down to the fact that uh, we've had a good summer this season, haven't we? Because we've all been diving together. Yeah, absolutely. And you're all very different. And that's the good thing about spearfishing. You meet people from all walks of life and... Uh, you know, Ben is Mr. Methodical. He's always throwing <laughs> something in his ear or he's uh, chewing something to open up his tubes or whatever. Um, and he's disgusted at the way I unload my gear into the car. <laughs> <laughs> Explain. Uh, that is so true. <laughs> well, I got I got a bit of a telling off because I went to put some weights on top of... Uh, 
The fins. From, uh... You don't put weights on top of the fins. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was the wetsuit that upset you. Oh, was it? I can't remember. You, you didn't want your wetsuit squashed. Which, <laughs> to be honest, it just would not occur to me. So it's very inspiring. <laughs> say not me then (laughs) oh that's funny can you rip the other two now just to even up (laughs) well yeah rich is uh yeah he's very good in the water and he always makes me feel like a beanpole though because the sib normally uh, <laughs> looks like it's going to capsize. <laughs> it takes on a lot of war at the front, that's for sure. <laughs> then, uh... I will Next year, I will be the fastest person to hit 30 metres, I'm telling you. <laughs> do you know what we need to do? We need to get that whole thing from Titanic where... Um, Jack's in the water holding on to the door and what's her <laughs> yeah. face won't let him on. Whereas we'll superimpose Rich's face to her and then your face in the water and that's you and Rich on your sip. It's <laughs> <laughs> not far off, mate. <laughs> and then I, I love diving with Anthony because all you have to do is follow him around and clean up all the fish that he's left behind. <laughs> he left you an 18 pound pollock up in sky (laughs) (laughs) dear oh dear (laughs) pleasure diving with all of you and i hope we have lots more fun next year yeah, yeah, yeah. So a, a couple more questions for me, and these are kind of quick fire questions, but it was only because, so to, to listeners, we were meant to do this yesterday. Um, a few things happened. One, it was my birthday and I completely fucking forgot. Um, and two, Richard can't drive for shit. So even though he wasn't driving, <laughs> he still crashed a van. Um, but I sent a couple of questions to Ben um, to ask you if I wasn't there. The first question, as a dentist looking at spearfishing would having your snorkel in your mouth ever affect your gums no i don't think so no you so if you were in the water say for example the competition time of like six hours or something could you damage your gums it's not going to push your gums back or anything like that only if it's poor fitting and to be fair i have had um yeah no to be fair that has happened to me so yeah if you're doing it for hours on end, you definitely want something that's comfortable not sharp I once um, was given, <laughs> I went in on a scuba diving course in Australia and someone gave me their personal regulator, you know, the bit you put in your mouth. I think it's yep. a regulator. And it was fitted to them. So it had been molded to their teeth. So for me, it was really uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, having a good fit. But the funny thing is that person really regretted uh, giving me their regulator when I got back on the surface and was throwing up. <laughs> no, I think I, no, I, was, I was sick before I went down. So oh. I'd done the sick bit and then I'd been breathing in and out of this thing. Oh, and then he, he was laughing at me until he remembered that I had this personal regulator. <laughs> Just imbued with sick smell. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that wasn't good. But yeah, I mean... The other thing is, um, the thing that I notice, I don't know about you guys, but you, you're not meant to bite on your snorkel tube, are you? No. no. Um, so I do catch myself doing that, or, you know, sometimes you might chew it. 
but do you ever find that you get out and your bite feels like it's changed Mm. Mm. yeah like your jaws moved yeah so that is just a a learnt uh reflex that happens very quickly so if you were to bite on something between your front teeth and you know bite down even for a minute if you try and bite on your back teeth it will feel wrong Mm. but you'll then relearn that it's not that your teeth have moved it's just your mechanism has uh, Mm. thought that you've got a new bite like muscle memory yeah 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 And then the final question for me, which is going to be going around to all of us with Christmas coming up um, and obviously my birthday yesterday. um, (laughs) What, Lawrence, if for your partner to buy you a present for Christmas or your birthday or whatever, knowing that you're a spear or a forager, what kind of thing could they get you? Uh, I'd say more dive tokens for. Uh, you know know, tokens for the day out when uh, it's not necessarily a Friday Um, (laughs) yeah I mean to be honest any kit I just go out and buy it (laughs) yeah yeah Um, but time is the most precious thing isn't it Mm. yeah so So, just a a little book of uh, free passes exactly yeah that's what I'd like nice Ben I don't know. Talking about the um, the prawning earlier um, certainly made me think. Oh, what I really need is a new prawning net. Not that I don't have one. In fact, I might have only bought one a few months ago. But what I really <laughs> want is a is a proper net made for prawning. Like you can buy lots of nets that are made for you know like um, what do you call it? like a like a uh, landing net. Yeah. Um, or like a fish pond net or or whatever. But I think you can buy proper prawning nets where the uh, the mesh is a little bit longer, so the prawns kind of collect in the in the bottom and stuff like that. Really fancy going prawning now. We've talked about it. Yeah, they are really expensive. I was Um, looking them up, and they're about. I saw some for seventy quid, and I thought, well, you know, you can still rip it. But I was in um, Otter Nurseries the other day, and they had those pond ones. Yeah. Um, and they were they weren't that expensive by any means, but they didn't have that long mesh bit but they didn't have the mesh going over the metal so if you scrape it against a rock it's not going to rip it yeah i thought maybe for a introductory net that might be an option for me anyway yes rich i think that'd be good uh well i'm i'm looking at like upgrading most of my kit over the winter so new fins new wetsuit um yeah loads of stuff so yeah basically Anything fishing related, spear fishing vouchers, maybe send shops, um, anything like that, really. But it's the same as anything, though. Your wife generally doesn't want to buy you because you tend to like go into the shop and look at it before you buy it, don't you? I, I do anyway. Yeah. So, so I guess vouchers is always a good thing. Nice. Well, Lawrence it was epic, man. Really enjoyed this one. It was a good laugh. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thanks, Lawrence. Yeah, it's been yeah. an absolute pleasure. And thanks for all the fun trips that we uh, have done so far yeah it's been a great year it's hopefully yeah, it's not the amazing. end of it although with the weather the way it is i'm not quite sure we're gonna get in <laughs> it's looking a little bit better next weekend i think fingers crossed but we'll see what happens yeah well we got a meal all together still haven't we a little bit of a catch-up and stuff so yeah. oh, no, we're not going spear fishing but we're gonna have a bit of a meal on me so yeah, that's yeah cool, i'm hopefully. looking forward to that looking forward to seeing you lads as always that'd be really good thanks again lawrence much appreciated it's uh yeah we'll we'll see you on the 11th see you soon see you you soon cheers mate that was a good one eh? i really enjoyed that
Yeah, I love spending time with Lawrence. Really, really top guy. He's got some cool stories as well, eh? Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a um, a quiet one when you're diving with him, but he's got loads of stories behind him, eh? The only thing that I forgot to ask him was the question from Rachel, which is, could you identify all of us as shapes? Because Ben's a square. <laughs> Lawrence, I think, is a rectangle. I think Richard is. Uh, Here we go. What, what's the, what's the shape for Humpty dick. Dumpty? Um, and then I'm a I'm a bean pole. <laughs> I'm fucking. Oh no, I'm definitely not a bean pole. I'm not looking at the photos of Sky. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Well, anyway, that, that was a great episode, man. But yeah, we episode 19 already, lads. Like, it's just flown by. Eh? It's crazy. Yeah, so episode 20 next week, we got, we got a big one planned. And we've got... Of which I cannot believe. Like, I thought we were going to hold it all off, but it's all too late. Well, no. Yeah, well, we, we got we got Daniel Mann coming on next week, so that's going to be an epic one. Yeah, it'd be very cool. I'm properly it's excited. Just... I think Daniel Mann maybe JPK as well, the, the, the reason why I got into this this sport, or at least took it up so quickly. I'd obviously seen the occasional spear fisherman before and thought that looked cool, but yeah, watching their videos, I just found so inspirational. Yeah, he's yeah. one of the most requested people um, that we get asked for to come on the podcast as well. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so that's, that's um, yeah, it's going to be mega, man. And also we're doing a, a nice giveaway as well for our 20th episode. So um, I won't say what that is yet until it comes out on Insta. So if you want to check out the giveaway, follow us on Instagram. Cool, I'm excited. Um, Can we take that? Just in case you want to know, it is actually his virginity. Oh, no, I don't want to take part. <laughs> <laughs> well, so any, anyone that wants to check out what we're doing for the giveaway, it's uh, our Instagram handle is the underscore Spiro underscore hangout on Instagram. And um, yeah, so we've got a couple of brands and um, shops and stuff coming in. So we'll, we'll do something cool. And um, yeah, awesome. like I said, big one for episode 20. I'm uh, surprised we managed to not kill each other up until now. It's been close so. a few times. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really enjoy it, lads. It's uh, it's flown by, eh? so yeah. yeah. We've got some yeah. big guests coming up in the next few ones, so I'm really looking forward to it. I'm excited, and I promise not to geek out or uh, be celebrity starstruck. Just, just let us get a few <laughs> words in. We'll be happy. Fuck off. <laughs> Mike, fuck. We're not trying to put him to sleep. We're trying to get information. Like, uh, right, lads, I'm off. Yeah. And I really enjoyed this one, and I'll catch you in the next one. Yeah, thanks, boys. Yeah. Cheers, lads. See you later. Catch you later. See you later.